0: Grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Well, at least according to our mothers. Absolutely. Uh, Joining us today is Chad. Chad uh, Hansen. Hansen, There we go. I didn't get a last name before we started. See, I thought you were ready. Uh, what would ever give you that idea?
1: <laughs> because you said, I'm ready now. All
0: right. Well,
2: Chad is a uh, local home brewer, right? Just starting out, yes. Thanks. Okay. Uh,
0: how long have you been brewing?
2: Um, going on two, three actual brews. Okay. So going on three. Awesome. And so uh, extract so far? Are you moving into all grain? It's been extract, and it's been a kit so far. But okay. I definitely want to move into all grain. Give all right. more experimenta- uh, experimentation. And Very I can cool. show you how.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Miles
2: is there for the second slash first successful batch. Oh, no. So. Well,
0: we'll talk a little bit about that once we start uh, tasting this beer before we do. Miles, have you done anything beer-related in the past week? Did we, we had a show last week, right?
1: Yeah, I thought we did.
0: Okay. All right, yeah. Have you done anything beer-related?
1: Uh, actually, I am wor- reworking my all-grain small batch system, so I can increase the efficiencies. Okay. And,
0: and is this the one gallon?
1: Uh, I'm going to rename it small batch because because
0: I mean, one gallon makes me make fun of you.
1: Not just that, uh, but I have this thing that I want to propose to the, propose to the propose propose to the homebrew club. <laughs> um making like two or three gallon batches, uh, you know, experimental brews, and then we can just split it up a gallon each way or something like that. Okay. And Very so, cool. you know, and it's like it would be really, really easy to punch out a small batch. We each get a gallon, keep on doing it. Yeah.
0: So. Awesome. Okay. Uh, beer-wise, on my end, not really, unless you count drinking way too much of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have anything beer-related. Uh, we will be doing... Uh, possibly a remote this Sunday uh, at Eric's while we're brewing another attempt on our Lightspeed clone. So I think I might grab a bottle of Lightspeed for that so we have something to taste while we're discussing the recipe. Yes. Because I don't think we've tasted that on air yet. I know we've tasted the clone, but we haven't done a side-by-side yet. And so maybe I'll bring a growler down and we'll do a side-by-side on air.
1: I think I'm okay with this idea. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to adjust the cable. That's
0: fine. Uh, we just found it endlessly fascinating for some reason. I'm not really sure why. <laughs> we have done it before we got on the air. That's no, fine. So,
1: what do you think about Golden Promise and just copious amounts of it?
0: You know, I'm okay with Golden Promise in and of itself. I'm. He sent me his final recipe. Yep. Or his, his revision. His I I haven't read through it yet. Uh, I I got it's on my to do list. I'll do it either tonight or tomorrow. I got. Some D&D stuff I got to knock out too, so. Sure. uh, But I I don't know. What what was the ratio he we went with? Do you remember? Um, It's not it's, super, you don't have no, to look no, no, no. it
1: up. Uh, it was like, it was like 13, no, 20, 22 and a half pound recipe for, what is it, 10 gallons we're doing? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that seems about right. I did a 21 with the last batch, I yeah.
1: think. Uh, his was 12 and a half pounds Golden Promise, nine two-row pail. Okay, then, so he he
0: basically just reversed the two that I was doing.
1: And then he also has a couple specialty grains in there. Yeah,
0: he he uh backed off on the crystal which is yep, something I
1: wanted uh, to do. 0.75 I Yeah, think. well
0: and he did 10 l instead of 20 cuz that's what I did. And then he added 0.75 of carapils.
1: Yes. That sounds about right. Yeah. It it's it's in that area. Mm-hmm. I I am I still want to think that golden promise is going to show too hard. I
0: I don't know. Well, it'll be curious to see. Um I, I liked the I liked what the Golden Promise did to uh, attempt one. That was a very interesting malt, and I think it might be my new secondary malt in my house pale.
1: And one of the things I was curious about is the convert uh the diastatic power of Golden Promise. There's gonna be
0: enough two row there where it won't matter.
1: I know, but I was actually surprised to see how successful Golden Promise could stand all by itself. Yeah. I think it could almost end up being on our a list baseball? of base malts.
0: It, it might be. It'll, it, it'd be something we'd have to mess around with. Experiment. Experiment with. And experiment with. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, we have something that we haven't done in a bit here. Uh, we have a homebrew tasting. Yes. Which I'm pretty excited about. You should be. So this was a, a group effort between you two, right? It was, yes.
2: Yes, enjoyed
0: and this was your, your fourth batch, third batch. This would be second.
2: Well, technically third. Oh, so this but is your third batch. Third, third batch, but I don't second
1: count, successful.
2: Well, really, first successful. First oh, batch was one of those Mister Beers. Oh, oh, so I really don't count that. Okay. I mean, I guess it was. I drank it and it didn't make me sick, right? <laughs> so I guess that's successful. That's totally like, successful.
1: Saul <laughs> Casey looks for
2: yes. So uh, what was your first
0: batch then? The first batch that you considered your first batch would be this one right here. Okay,
2: or oh, really, you don't count the other two kits before this one? The first kit was the Mr. Beer. The second kit was an IPA, just okay. a straight regular IPA, not a double like this one. Mm-hmm. And that one wasn't successful. No, what was wrong with it? Um, you never drink before you brew, and that's kind of what happened. <laughs> hey, I learned <laughs> so, that lesson the
0: hard way, too. Yep.
1: I've <laughs> learned it about 15 or 20 or 30 or 40 times. It's and when
0: everyone like, keeps relearning,
2: I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I poured about five gallons, three gallons. Right. And it would have been five Five gallons down, yeah.
0: It happens. I got a keg in there I got a dump yet, so. It's not a fun feeling. I, like I dumped no. the
1: first 15 I ever made all grain. Ooh. Yeah, but
0: that's because
1: you're dumb. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you went out and you're cotton. like, I have no idea how to make beer, but here's grains
2: and equipment. Let's see what happens. Pretty Let's much. Five times the norm. You know, I love the ambition. Though. <laughs> oh, it was, I started it was with good. a like $40 Mr. Beer Kit, so. Yeah. I, yeah.
1: I went out and I spent, in two trips, I think I spent about. Fourteen hundred dollars. Ooh, it was. Yeah.
0: And then uh, dumped the first batch and then of then beer. Dumped it. No, <laughs>
1: dumped the first three batches of <laughs> beer. <laughs> three. No. three times
2: fifteen, and then he picked no, up a three book. Three times
1: oh. five equals fifteen. Okay. Okay. No, uh, I thought you were
2: brewing fifteen at a time. So like, man, the thing is, is
1: we had only done like an extract kit or two, mm-hmm. and that was it. And we were hardly the uh, the main guys for it. And then I'm like, cool. I have. But loads of money. Let's go do this thing. So we bought an all-grain system, having real, no real idea how to use it, started writing our own recipes, having no idea how to. <laughs> Just jumping the deep end. Trying to mimic beers that we had no right trying to mimic and ended up with stuff that was not good at all.
0: But it resembled beer, right?
1: It, res- it, d- <laughs> it resembled beer. It didn't make you sick. Hey, gonna- <laughs> that was my next question.
0: Did it make you sick? No. No. Um, it's really hard to make yourself sick off homebrew. Like, you got to try, I think.
1: <laughs> if anything, it would have been because it was too cloying in several attributes. So, it, it, it's not that it would have made you sick. It just was way too much. Just sweet. Mm. Poured it on some ice and called it juice. Simcoe.
0: <laughs> oh, cat piss. Yeah. Just cat piss everywhere. Everywhere. All right. It was on um, the
1: carpets, it was on the curtains.
0: <laughs> At least it's sterile. <laughs> so, do you That's have a you recipe for say. this uh, double IPA? Well, uh, first of all, no. More, more importantly, do we have a name? This is double IPA, have a name.
2: First successful batch.
0: All right. <laughs> that
1: works for me. FSB. <laughs> FSB. All
0: go. right. So, what's the, uh, what's the recipe here?
1: Uh, 9.9 pounds of liquid malt extract, one pound of corn sugar, specialty grains, eight ounces of caramel 40, four ounces of carapils, and then the hops were uh, two ounces Columbus at 60, two ounces Columbus at 15, and two ounces of Cascade at Flameout. The yeast we used was uh dry yeast safe brew T fifty eight and it was fermented two weeks, ambient temperature. What
0: uh what type of malt extract?
1: Uh I
0: know it was liquid, but was it a light dark? It, no it was light. Okay. I think
1: it was like the, the extra light. Okay it was, it was breeze. Bell. It was breeze.
0: All right. Alright, um I guess do you want me to give you my tasting notes yes, first? Yes, I I really wanna Since okay. I, I'm the one who's not invested in this beer. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh appearance wise, uh fantastic color. I really I really like it. Uh, maybe maybe a little on the darker side, <laughs> yes, I think. Yep. Yeah, uh a but, Ill, I was surprised. But I mean it fit, it fits within that IPA category. It has that nice reddish brown hue. Uh it, it fits. Uh Decent head uh the head retention really isn't there, but I'm not expecting that in a double i p a yeah uh and it the clarity's good it's not cloudy um not not any like chill haze or really anything
1: i got the i got the end of the bottle okay so well yeah guess. yours is yours is <laughs> well two out of three came out yeah so. <laughs>
0: yeah um aroma I'm picking up a little bit of citrus and grapefruit, which I would expect uh but it's not as uh prevalent as I would like. Uh, I think a dry hop would definitely help that uh, just to give some more of that hop character there um, or just more at flame out. Makes sense. Uh, Something like that. Flavor wise, uh, good hop flavor. Uh, It's a little sweet. I'm picking up diacetyl and there's something that I'm not quite, uh, maybe a little solventy or something. There's something there that's not quite there for me. Uh, Mouthfeel, I found that just a touch thin, but overall, good beer. (laughs)
1: Alrighty then uh let's see i i think it's thick sweet and bitter
0: oh you get the uh, okay i
1: i I think it feels pretty thick uh the bitterness lingers but then again i'm drinking the bottom of the bottle so that that might be why um otherwise the color is like this really dense ruby i like it it looks yeah, no the the color is fantastic so neat so neat uh and like you said the it's got good head it just doesn't stay around too long although there is a little that lingers.
0: Yeah but you're not you don't the, all the hop oils and stuff that usually yeah. go into a double IPA I don't really expect uh a... Yeah.
1: Um I couldn't really get much out of the aroma. I thought some of the earthy you know the vegetal qualities of the hops were coming through in the aroma a little bit just kind of hid everything else away. That's me. I mean, I I get a little bit of the, the yeah. Of these, it's I mean, it's
0: it's nowhere near what you no. you know you want that big burst of just hop juiciness yeah. right in the nose.
1: I I mean, otherwise this is a decently big beer and yeah. what it, what like did it, it come
0: in at ABV wise?
1: Uh, we didn't take any actual measurements, but if I way had, to teach him how to
0: brew right, mom. I did
1: my best. He was not prepared. <laughs> you didn't bring or, your refractometer. Uh, Eric has it. Oh. I'm going to be bringing it back with me. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because apparently they're only like twenty bucks now, thirty bucks. Oh really? So yeah, it's what Eric said. He said he can get one for twenty two ninety five. That's awesome. It is. I paid like sixty-five for mine. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to pick one up because I keep breaking hydrometers.
2: Oh, it's I so one. worth it. I just oh, didn't bring it. A yeah. refractometer? No, a hydrometer. Oh, okay. Oh, a hydrometer. Sorry.
1: Okay. Um but if I had to guess, we're probably l- somewhere in the middle of seven yeah, and a if, half. Yeah. Right right around in there.
2: All right. Well, Chad, what do you think beer wise? Well, I think um, it's tasty. Uh, it's very aromatic to me. Like okay. on the, I get a slight citrus, but very earthy, and it does have quite a bit of um, like an aftertaste. Almost like the mouthfeel is a little, I don't want to say slimy, but a little, a little lingering, slick. a little slick. That's probably a better word. So it was slick, um, not not overwhelming in the alcohol, even though it should clock in somewhere around seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a whole lot of alcohol. Um, I did definitely get the bitterness, but more towards the end. It was a little bit of a lingering, kind of an aftertaste of the bitterness. Absolutely. Um, I definitely did pick up the grapefruit and, um, and yeah, grapefruit. Okay. But mm-hmm. not overpowering. Yeah. I don't like grapefruit, so but I do like this one.
0: Well, uh, I mean, it's your beer. If you could change anything about it, what would it be?
2: Oh. Probably what, what would less, you do differently less, next time? Mm, take some actual readings. Yeah. So I know <laughs> what I'm working <laughs> with. Uh, yeah. Good uh, first step. Good first step. Right, right. You know, follow the instructions, maybe. <laughs> um, no, I'd like to see a little bit more on the uh, less bitterness side, even though it is a double IPA. Okay. Maybe something, I'd like something Let, a little more of citrus.
1: Less
0: harsh? Yeah, well, less, of an
2: after, less of an aftertaste for me. Okay. So. Okay
0: uh to do that i think i would back off the 60 minute just a little bit and the 30 minute just a little bit maybe uh sure. maybe spread that out maybe add some of that cascade in at 30 so you're not doing the 14 i think i think columbus clocks in around 14 uh i uh AUs, doesn't it i got to check acid.
2: it acids, yeah
1: keep going
0: okay anyway so yeah i would i would do that just just to bring that that would help bring that lingering bitterness down
2: And that should help with that a lot. Yeah. Another thing I'd like to do is um, keep a consistent temperature. I stored this in in a room where I didn't actually track it. I assumed it would be pretty close to ambient, about sixty five. But uh, definitely, like a little bit more temperature control.
0: Yeah, time. and I mean temperature, temperature, temperature control is huge because words mm. are hard. Well, yes, and <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. It's it's huge, especially for on the homebrew scale. It's not something that everyone has, and so if you can if you can get it and do it, it really elevates some of your beers, especially uh, when you when you get to some of the more finicky styles, uh, and you start doing loggers and stuff like that. Any variation in temperature can really screw up your beer.
1: Or it just becomes very noticeable. Yes. Uh, Columbus is usually between 14 and 16 alpha. Ah, see,
0: I was right on. You were. I know my hops.
1: From time to time.
0: I know things, guys.
1: No, uh, so one of the things I wanted to point out is this kit originally came with US05, which, as we all know, is Casey's favorite (laughs) yeast.
0: That is a yeast that we do not allow on this
1: show. Uh, so instead, and, we switched and Miles it. Miles prepared me for that. Yeah, I did, actually. I, I had it to sit him down. Uh, I had a slideshow presentation and everything. That's good. On uh, yeah, my notes here, it says things not to mention. <laughs> <laughs> Safe Brew T58 dry brewing yeast is what we ended up substituting it for. And one of the biggest reasons was because it seemed like a lot of the other dry yeasts are like English or for not India pale ales. Belgian or Whitney. Yeah, what what's the
0: attenuation on that?
1: The attenuation is 65%. That's
0: it? Yeah. Oh, um, that could explain some of the sweetness. Yeah.
1: No, like I'm I'm pretty sure this probably had a final gravity somewhere around ten twenty three. Okay. Like really high. Yeah. Um originally it was supposed to be as low as ten fifteen and uh, an ABV as high as eight and a half. Okay. So we're probably hitting a, about a point low on the ABV and about 10 points high on the, on the FG. final gravity. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's where the really thick sweetness comes from because he pointed out, that out when we first sat and had it together is that it was really thick. And I'm like, well, that can usually be a problem with fermentation, but, I mean, clearly it bottle conditioned just fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the carbonation <laughs> was spot on.
1: Yeah, which is like, I mean, if you're going to have problems with Fermentation, you're going to have problems with bottle conditioning, too. Mm-hmm. And so I figured this has to be it.
0: Yeah, no, it has to be the yeast. Um, well, that's why you always go with some
1: uh, 1056 eggs. <laughs> it, no, it's true. It was not readily available to us. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I liked it. It, it ha- sports flavors of uh, pepperiness. I, don't
0: know, I didn't. I guess I didn't get a whole lot of the yeast character coming through. I think it was too sweet. Uh Yep. And so it wasn't just, there wasn't enough there for it to come through, which is fine. I mean, I don't really look for a whole lot of yeast character in a well, double IPA.
1: to be fair, Columbus does a lot of peppery kind of flavors too, so it's possible it all just got hidden right behind the Columbus. Yeah. There were four ounces in it.
0: Which is a lot of Columbus. It's a lot I, I of I mean, Columbus. I would almost just use the Columbus for the bittering and then sub, cascade, or another seahop.
1: I know. It was, uh, let's see. It was, yeah. We clocked it in at like. 130 IBUs or something. That's huge. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it was off the charts. I
2: remember it was over 120 for sure. Man,
0: if this thing had dried out, you'd have a hot bomb on your hands. (laughs) Which would not be
2: bad. I I was definitely surprised by it, especially swapping out the yeasts. Yeah. Um, It can make
1: a world of difference. Oh,
2: not only that, but I didn't realize how much alcohol percent would change from the yeast that we used. I figured it was, you know, now remember, I'm new to this, Mm -hmm. so I figured it would be, you know... The amount of sugars available for the yeast to ferment it, not necessarily the yeast fermenting it, would produce it.
0: And I mean, yeah. you're 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 pretty much right with that with that first assessment. Uh, but then you have to take into the account uh, how much of that sugar the yeast will actually eat, True. Uh, which is where the attenuation and stuff comes in. Um, you want beer, so if you want something that's going to try to eat almost everything and get you a nice dry beer, you want a high attenuation. Uh, if you go lower, you're going to end up with sweeter beers. Which is what we got here, sixty-five yes. percent. Yep.
2: So, what would a high percent be? I mean, ah, uh,
0: like on average, somewhere in the nineties. Nineties. Okay. Yeah. What I and what I think ten fifty-six is like ninety-five percent attenuation or something Ooh, crazy. It, yeah,
1: it's really really high.
0: Hungry. It is. Yeah. It and it's a very clean yeast, and so you taste nothing but the the malt and the hops. I really like that yeast, guys. I really do. <laughs> All we, right.
1: Who who'd have thunk?
0: Right. Um, I I think we've pretty much exhausted this beer, Miles. Do we yeah, have just, an, Do we have something else to talk about?
1: Yeah, I, I think we yeah. we have. Well, a topic. we gotta
0: we gotta continue our baseball basics.
1: Absolutely, because that title's better than what I had. That's okay. <clears throat> so, uh, pretty much the only thing we didn't touch on were the two quote unquote, uh, debatable. Oh, basemats. the okay, yeah, and. I suppose we could add a third one on there if we wanted to. I don't
0: want to add it yet. I want to do a little bit more. No, I. We'll I talk know. about that one this weekend. I think.
1: Yeah. No, I. I, I agree. Uh, Vienna malt. So how does Vienna malt differ from the other the other grains we've well, talked man, you about?
0: You remember back a week after a week right? of drinking. You, you
1: act like I don't have all of this right in front of
0: me. I know, man. You and your notes. Okay. Well, why don't we do a quick uh, recap of what yeah. we talked
1: about before? Da, 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 da.
0: So I remember,
1: right? What? Okay. Uh, Crystal malts and caramel malt. Whoa. No, okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. We're okay. Uh, so last week we talked about pale malt. Okay. Pale ale malt and the fact that they are two different things and uh, pale ale is almost exclusively English. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about Pilsner malt and mild ale malt. All right. Yeah. And so we just kind of talked about how they they differ and how they do act as base malts okay
0: all right well vienna is right on the edge of being a specialty malt i'd think i mean well that's why it's debatable right it has a fairly dark kiln right yep Yep. uh and you get man i'm trying to remember what flavors you get now it's been a while since i've used vienna uh i want to say that one's fairly biscuity isn't it
1: yeah Yep, a little bit. Uh, Vienna malt. The biggest thing that uh, makes it different from anything we've talked about is that it's kilned higher still and gives a darker color. uh, From three to five lavi bond, Uh, it is its yield is slightly less than everything else mentioned so far. Yeah, Uh,
0: don't sound too excited about base malts, Miles.
1: Right? No base (laughs) malts are uh, well. I mean, they are necessary. Uh, this grain has significant converting enzymes to take care of itself, but falls short when handling starchy grains and adjuncts.
0: So don't pair it with wheat and oat.
1: Not solely. I mean, so I mean, if you're going to do that, you want to add some, yeah. Uh, Use like a, pa-
0: a pound of Vienna and then a bunch of two-row in a five-gallon batch.
1: Yeah. Um, otherwise, it can it can sustain itself. You know, for example, a, a Vienna lager can have a 100% grist. Vienna.
0: I will say I've never used Vienna as a base. I've always used it as an adjunct grain. I,
1: I think the same same goes for me. I mean I, I will say I have been enter I have entertained the idea of using the next grain as a base. All by it's like one hundred percent grist.
0: Ooh ooh, what's the next grain? Take take a guess. Optic. Is that right? I don't think that's a grain. It's not as far as I know. <laughs> It's
2: oh. <laughs> barley malt. My bad.
1: <laughs> well, yes, all of this is barley. Good for you. <laughs> I'm getting there. Right? So uh, close. Munich. Oh, Munich.
0: i yeah. used a bunch of Munich at times or two.
1: Yeah, but only a specialty, right? And only a specialty. But only a specialty. So how does this differ from everything else?
2: Higher kiln, but lower than Vienna? Wait, hold on. Is it German Munich or Moravian Munich?
0: Probably German
1: Munich. Really shouldn't matter.
0: Shouldn't matter. Just where it's where it's grown and kilned.
1: Well, I mean, the idea if it's going to be a Munich malt, it's got to be it's got to follow the same processes. Yeah, but it's closely. still
0: where it's grown and kilned. We will yeah. add a different like. It, well, we'll talk about that when we hit okay. crystals.
1: Uh, so, of the grains mentioned, this one is kilned at the highest temperature and to varying degrees, giving it uh, a color range anywhere from eight to thirty lavi bond. Um, but for the most part, if you're going to talk about Munich as a base malt, you're talking about the lowest SRM range there, uh, between 8 and 10. Okay. Uh, the modification is lower still, giving it yet a lower yield. 100% malt beers are rare, as this is mo- almost always used in conjunction with other base malts.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't know of any 100% Munich beers. Do you? I,
1: no, I, I don't think I've ever had one.
0: I don't know why you're qualifying it as a base malt.
1: Because technically, it would convert itself. I guess. If you you had nothing but, it could convert itself and and give you a good beer. I don't want to see that mash, Bill. It would (laughs) Right? (laughs) We should do both of these. No. Yes. No. 100% Munich. Uh, This grain imparts toasty flavor to the beer, as well as a fuller mouthfeel. Tell me what you know of, how base malts are... No, I words. guess I never got that far. Words words are hard.
0: All right. Well, uh, I think that really concludes our quick rundown of base malts. Yeah. Why don't we run into uh, our next topic for tonight? That's right. Three topics on this show because we not? have nothing better to do. No,
1: absolutely not.
0: Uh, crystal malts.
1: Getting crystal clear on caramel malts.
0: Oh, Ooh. he's trying to play on words.
1: Yeah, that, that's as uh, succinct as I could make it. But it actually it, it works out. All right. It works out. Uh so caramel or crystal malts and caramel malt malts. Are they different?
0: Not really, no. Yes.
1: Nuh-uh. yes. Nuh-uh. No. Yes. No. I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> you get a point. Casey does not. Shut up. Uh it, it's kind of like the rectangle and square concept. All crystal malts are caramel malts, but not all caramel malts are crystal malts. Yeah, so they're not different. Yes, they are. <laughs> they're same but different. <laughs> they're similar. With distinct differences,
2: so like uh, Mario and Luigi.
1: No. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs>
0: yep. Uh, so not all plumbers are Mario, but all Mario's are plumbers.
1: There's only one Mario.
0: Exactly.
1: But there's more than one crystal and caramel malt. Shh.
0: Just let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> just, just
1: so, think. Casey, do you know what the procedural differences between crystal and caramel malts are?
0: Obviously not.
1: Crystal malts are roasted. Caramel malts are kilned.
2: Can you explain the difference? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I yeah, was kind yeah, of going on that one. I <laughs> thought right? a
2: kiln was pretty much a roaster.
1: Uh, kilned is a type of well, roasting. Yeah, you see... Yeah. Yeah. Just like what you All do kilns are pots. roasters,
2: but not all no, roasters are kilns. There kiln.
1: you go. And we've come full <laughs> circle. E- exactly. We've come full circle. End of discussion. No. Uh, so I, I will get to exactly what the differences between each of them are. Uh, so what does the process of roasting look like? Obviously, we don't know. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been yelling at me. So uh, it begins by taking green malt at about 42% moisture and putting it in a rotating drum and slowly heating it to about 150 degrees. Like popcorn. Not popcorn, but guess what that that combination resembles. What do you think would happen with forty two percent moisture at hundred and fifty degrees? Germination. No, no, we, we passed that. that like, yeah, no, yep. it'd be uh-huh. it'd
0: be mashing. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the moisture level and the temperatures. Each kernel acts as its own little mash tun, converting starches into sugars. Okay,
0: giving you that delicious but, caramel
1: malt. Right. No, yes. this is crystal malt. This is this is crystal. Okay. Uh, after conversion is complete, the temperature gets increased to dry out the malt and also to caramelize the sugars. Okay. And that is really what gives you the the toffee flavors of the crystal malt, not the caramel malt. Correct.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this straight by the end of the show. Fingers crossed. It's not gonna okay,
1: happen. Okay. Uh, so just to be clear, when I'm talking about crystal malts, I'm gonna say crystal. When I'm talking about caramel malts. I say caramel. All
0: right, but if you say caramelized, we're talking about crystal, we're in trouble.
1: No, it, caramelizing is a process.
2: I know. So, do both of them get caramelized?
1: Yes and no. <laughs> it depends on how broad your definition oh, of each is. I'm going to need another PowerPoint tonight. Right. right? <laughs> uh, so, next one is what is caramelization?
0: That's the process of making sugars delicious.
1: Uh, caramelization is a term used to describe the reaction between sugars under the influence of heat. Yeah, what I said? Pretty much. Delicious. Uh, but um, the, the point of discussing that is why it is uh, uniquely different from caramel malts. Okay. Uh, so the question is, or what does kilning look like? Uh, green malt is put into a large room at lower temperatures... And because of this, the different layers of the grain are subjected to heat differently. So the inherent product will have variance. Okay. Uh, the top dries fastest and does not go through the caramelization process, whereas the, bro- the bottom stays moist longer and gets heated uh, to allow for the caramelization these process. These are the crystal malts. This is the caramel now. We're talking <laughs> about the kiln. <laughs> I said, what does the process of kiln look like? No!
0: You'll get there. We'll get there. Okay, okay. So, crystal kiln caramel roasted.
1: Backwards.
0: (laughs) You just said we were talking about... Oh, man.
1: No, okay. So, I said, what does roasting look like? And then we talked about that with with each kernel being its own little Okay, okay.
0: Crystal roasted caramel kiln. Yes. Okay. CRC Both get caramelized. Sort (laughs) of. (laughs) <laughs> this is way harder than it needs to be. <laughs>
1: Let's get, just get to the actual malt. <laughs> we're getting to the point. We're getting to the point. Uh okay, so what is the impact of the differences in these procedures? Uh crystal malt gives a true candy like toffee flavor. Or caramel and toffee flavors whereas caramel malts have that plus roasty, baked and biscuity flavors. Okay. And the the reason is because um A lot of the grain in the kilning process for caramel malts go through a Maillard reaction as opposed to a caramelization reaction, which is a reaction between sugars involving nitrogen, which gives you the roasty, biscuity flavors, Mm -hmm. uh, which does not happen in crystal malts with the roasting process. Okay. Uh, Listeners, you still with us? I I, hope so. so. The guest is. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, he's doing better than the the experienced. Doing better than the host?
0: <laughs> Okay, I'm still stuck on this whole kiln roast thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, but to just throw it out there, I I I guess historically, crystal malts came first. But then, when the idea or crystal malts came first in England, and when they came over to the states because of the flavor, they got called caramel malts, and then later. What I'm calling Caramel Malts Tonight came around, and now there's a lot of mix and match for what... So
0: you're saying that I was right all along in the same I'm thing. I'm saying
1: that there's a lot of misnomers out there, and if you really want to detail your beer properly, you know whether or not you want those extra biscuity flavors in there, uh, you really have to look into what, your, what the maltster actually does with his grains, or you can actually start to break apart the kernels. Because uh, crystal malts, if you break them apart, uh, over ninety percent of the kernels will look like the molassesy glassiness inside. You know, so it looks just like you know clearish brown. Whereas the caramel malts will have about half white, half brown.
2: Hmm. Is that why they call it crystal? when you break it yeah. open, it's kind of yep. glassy.
1: Yep. Okay. So th- that's the term they use to describe it. I I, I mean, just think like caramelized. You know, sugars. It looks brown and you know, got this clearish kind of quality. Still feel so like
0: it. you're trying to trick me.
1: No, I'm not. They're, they are uniquely different. <laughs>
0: they, ah. They're uniquely the same. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well let's let's uh, ignore all that. Let's actually talk about the malts themselves. Sure. Like what, why we use them, and what mm-hmm. we use them in.
2: Yeah, I'd be interested to see if you have a, a little bit of history on that. Because I mean, I have a basic working knowledge that. You you take the grains, okay. Then you germinate them. Yep. And then you roast them, or well, you put them in a kiln. Well, apparently, yeah. as we just learned, you either you heat them up, you, you, give you them heat, heat them to kill them. that, and then that produces the sugars, um, or is it the starches, or yeah. both? Because I, I think it's both of them. Because then some of them are fermentable, some of them aren't fermentable. And they have different impacts on the the life of the beer. And yes, short yes, answer is yes. yes. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I'm saying. A very basic working knowledge. But I would like to see, like, if a history on that. Like, how how would how would some person know? You know what? Hey, let's take this, and then we'll make it germinate a little bit, and then we're gonna kill it with fire, and then uh, that's gonna make really good beer.
1: Historically, they think that beer developed on its own in three different parts of the world. Um, More or less, the idea is that either pots of grain got left out in the rain or houses got flooded with loaves of bread, and either way you had this grain being treated by water with natural yeast in the environment Mm -hmm. that came in contact with it and someone decided to taste it, decided they liked it, and then decided to replicate the process.
0: You know that somebody didn't just decide to drink it. It was two dudes, and one was like dare you drink that?
2: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I always figured. Like, there's no way it could have smelled good.
1: There's no way. <laughs> no, no, I, way. no. So I've actually done some of these uh, very small scale experiments on historical. Let's just call them malted beverages.
2: Is this where you, you paid your friends to drink strange beverages? No, this,
0: this is, is where, where he had a bucket of grain, forgot about in the rain, and said, "Hey, it's an experiment." Now,
1: oh. well the, <laughs> the the Rob one I, the one I did was based off the the Egyptian one. You basically took a, a high grain bread, I, I took like nine grain whatever. Uh, you right, put nine it... grain
2: honey oat you got from Subway, yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And you that put was it... left in the back of your car. <laughs> you took the turkey out of it first, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I left the mayonnaise. Ooh. <laughs> That's
2: what that off flavor was. Mayo beer.
1: That was the slickness you were t- <laughs> that was, that was slick so much now. Uh but no, I just left it in water and I put some cheesecloth over the top to let natural yeasts get in and then, you know, like three days later, it's supposed to be like two percent or something. And good table beer. Yeah. I mean that yeah, that was about it. But how'd it taste? Awful. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> appreciate the honesty. <laughs>
2: well, that could have been a great self-promotion. You're like, dude, everything I do is great.
1: <laughs> I've done some really good stuff. But, yeah, well, I but also, we haven't
2: tasted any of it on the show.
1: What? What about the Malfass? A burn. <laughs>
0: giving you shit, Miles. It's fine.
1: Um, No, but I, I have tried some of that stuff. And... Historical beer does not taste very good. Well, Historically speaking, it. the beer is like worlds different from what we have now. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely. It's because they weren't using hops for the longest time, too.
1: That too and for the longest right. time, they weren't boiling their wort. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. See, I'm, I'm no familiar boil. with a, a drink called, out of Russia called Kvass, K-V-A-S-S. If you guys heard of this one? Mm-hmm. Yes. I was reading about it in a book. In a book. And it was uh, it's a fermented beverage commonly made from black or regular rye. Essentially what it is, they took bread, water, lemons— And raisins, exactly raisins or strawberries, something just just sweeten it up. Okay, and then just they let the wild yeast and the bread ferment the uh, the sugars. I think that's called pruno, prison wine. (laughs) wine.
1: (laughs) There you go. No, this stuff was not made in a toilet. (laughs) No, this is from
2: uh, you know 11th century Russia. It clocks in very low alcohol; it's just somewhere in the one to one point five. Okay, somewhere in there, yeah, enough where it's
0: safe to drink and
2: purifies the water.
0: Essentially,
1: that's usually about where natural fermentation over a short period of time gets you. Just like two and a half, three tops, and yeah, yeah. Hmm. And
2: the Russians don't consider that beer up until like two thousand ten. Anything under five percent was was non-alcoholic. A soft soft series. Oh, Russians considered (laughs) (laughs) non-alcoholic. That's amazing.
1: (laughs) I think generally in Europe they call like Mike's hard just pops. Like just so. They're just sodas. Yeah, pretty much.
0: Yeah, they're right. just cheer beers, man. All right. Well, we can continue back onto our uh, caramel discussion. Oh, a or track there. Uh, we can wrap it up at 40 minutes.
1: Well, I figured we, we've covered Caramel Crystal, you know, like the use of in a beer several times. So this was kind of what I okay. had in mind for introducing, like why they're different. And so, I mean, most people or a lot of people should by now, after listening to our show, have a working understanding of when and why to use caramel crystal malts. But now they can fine tune it, knowing the difference. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah,
0: um, and I guess, do you want to explain quick? Uh, so, if I said I want, you know, like C twenty, C forty, what that what that number would indicate?
1: So, within the yeah, pretty much the the lavi bond and the flavor intensity. So, the higher the number associated with the caramel malts, uh, the darker it is, and usually the more in- intense flavor it has. These different colors are obtained by varying the exact temperatures and times that the grains are subjected to during the heating processes.
0: Okay. Uh, and I just want to add one thing here. The yeah. maltster is very important when you're talking about these crystalline caramel malts because your uh, especially when you're talking American versus English. You're gonna get very I, I mean not drastically, but noticeably different flavors from each one. And you're gonna so your and your uh your C fifteen over here is gonna have a diff a slightly different SRM than your C fifteen over there.
1: Yeah. um I think not just that, but Caramel or er, Chris Caramel and Crystal malts by themselves are a bit of a craft mm-hmm. uh process because the grain you know like the the barley made from comes you know changes from year to year and if you're going to try and come up with a consistent product from year to year with an ever-changing you know yeah. base ingredient uh oftentimes you have the you know the one big expert who's going to judge it by look and taste mm-hmm. on on when this grain is actually done and calls it what it is
0: so yeah, just just remember that, you know, if you if you use Breeze in One, keep using
1: Breeze. Yep. Can't just switch to Simpsons.
0: No. Unless you unless you're doing an English beer, then maybe Simpsons.
1: I'm okay with that. All right.
0: Uh, I have a thing that I should do here, right?
1: I don't know. Yeah, maybe.
0: Well, guys, thanks for uh, tuning in and Chad, thanks for joining us yeah, today. Gentlemen,
2: thanks for having me on. Yeah,
0: you're welcome back anytime, especially Appreciate if you that. bring some beer. All right.
2: I'll bring some good ones.
0: All right. Well, uh, if you have any questions, comments, show ideas, or what have you, go ahead and shoot those over to feedback at blindnewstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindnewstudios, or you can follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And if you'd like to support us, uh, you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash blindnewstudios, or clicking on the Become a Patron link at the bottom of our homepage. Uh, that's like a recurring tip jar. You can... Uh, give us a buck a buck or two a month and it really just helps us out and helps us keep the lights on here at the studio uh if you'd like to support us a little bit more indirectly go ahead and click on the amazon affiliate link at the bottom of our homepage and go do your regular amazon shopping and we get a bit of a cut everybody wins i think that's about it so i'll see you guys next week